The information provided on the Finesse Your Money podcast is not intended to constitute legal, business, financial or other professional or product advice. It is provided as general information only and is not intended as a substitute for personal advice from a qualified and licensed professional who is familiar with the facts of your particular circumstances. Ever asked yourself where your money is going? It's a common problem for businesses and people personally. Is it dumb luck to be successful with money? Or is it the smartest and most successful businesses and people that plan and understand the value and purpose of money across generations? Is your money out of control or needing some finessing? In the third season of Finesse Your Money, the theme is more than money. We're talking all things money with our inspirational guests, but we go beyond that to explore creating a legacy beyond wealth, success and stewardship among families, the energy and purpose of money, well-being and wealth, relationships and money, connection, being intentional and values. Listen in to hear some excellent tips from our guests and set yourself up for a bright, happy future with a stronger sense of purpose around money. Get ready to be inspired. I'm Janine Wilson, the host of Finesse Your Money. I've been a financial advisor for 10 years and an accountant beforehand for, well, many more years. I'm the founder of Finesse Financial Advisors. Hi, and welcome to Finesse Your Money. I'm Janine Wilson. Our guest today is Mike Clark. Mike is the Queensland State Leader of Dent Global, a global training and advisory company that runs business accelerators. Dent is best known for the Key Person of Influence Accelerator, designed to help founders and rising stars in business become more visible, valuable and connected in their industries. For the past 15 years, Mike has been entrenched in entrepreneurial businesses across the globe. He's successfully and repeatedly taken six and seven figure companies to seven and eight figure revenues. Well done, Mike. After launching Dent Global in the UK 12 years ago, Mike then created the world's first certified LinkedIn training company, working with multi-billion dollar brands such as Barclays, Canon and American Express. His company was then acquired by a startup in Silicon Valley in 2015. Mike's back in Australia now with Dent to fuel the next level of growth as they expand into over 10 cities around the world. When he's not playing around with businesses, Mike will tell you he loves being a daddy to his gorgeous girls and living life to the fullest with his amazing wife. He says that after 100 trips to hospital in 2017, he's committed to making the most of life and to raise awareness for causes that solve the world's most meaningful problems. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Janine. It's, uh, thanks for the nice intro there too. <laughs> That's a pleasure. So to give our listeners a bit of background, I met you, Mike, in Brisbane a couple of times last year, I think it was, at business workshops. And so I can certainly attest to the fact that you're a fantastic presenter and, you know, really engaging and authentic and you bring such a nice blend of inspiration, strategy and tactics to the conversation. And so um, I'm looking forward to chatting you to, with you today. And, you know, you're probably best known for helping business owners stand out, scale up so they can become highly valued and highly recognised and also highly paid, which is a, a nice side effect of that um, in their industry that they're passionate about. So thanks again for joining us. I'm certain that our listeners will get masses of value out of our chat today. And don't forget to stick around to the end. Mike's got some fantastic offers for you. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the, on the show and happy to answer any questions and to just, I'm here to serve and help in any way I can. Thanks, Mike. So tell us more about yourself and your business and tell us something people maybe don't know about you. 
Ah, well, <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, what, uh, interestingly, my daughters have the choice of between five passports. So I was, uh, I've got a, a rather multinational <laughs> family background. It gets a, a family get together in my, in my family is not an easy thing. So I, I, I was born in the US, northeast of the US, all, half my original family's there. Then I moved over at the age of six to Australia where I lived in the Gold Coast with, uh, and I have uh, my Australian half of the family on my mum's side here. And then when I was sort of finished high school, I then uh, went over to the UK backpacking and then came back, went back over for, for business and ended up spending 14 years in the UK where I met my wife who's from South Africa. So, uh, and then my brother went over there, lived over there as well. He married a, a French woman and my wife was also half Irish as well. So the, the girls have the choice between a US, UK, Australian, South African and Irish passports. So... <laughs> Let's assume they chose Australian. <laughs> they did. That was the first one. First cab off the rank was Australian and the UK. So uh, <laughs> that's a nice story. So uh, it makes me think: how does it? How does a kid from Goldie, you know, travel the world? Is that is that what a digital nomad really is? Well, I, yeah. You know what? I, I say that traveling is in my blood. In that, obviously, with that sort of family dynamic is one thing. But my mum, actually, when she was about 18, 19, she just packed her bags and said, I'm going traveling and went with a friend. And she ended up traveling for, I think it was like 18 months or so, almost two years, and went to, I mean, she went to places like Afghanistan. And this is, you know, going back in, geez, I don't know, the, the 60s, uh, sort of 70, early 70s period. And, uh, you know, and so she went to about 30 different countries. So I grew up with mum always talking about the place that she had been to. And so that, that was sort of in my, my sort of just upbringing, really, because every second year we're flying back to the US and often would stop off in places like Bali or Hawaii or different places to just sort of for a bit of a visit. So it was sort of just I felt very fortunate. Uh, to have that opportunity, and and then it just sort of when I was uh, of you know teenage late teenage years finishing high school, I was like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so, uh, I can relate to that entirely. You know, my childhood was spent travelling around. You know, uh, I'm very comfortable living out of a suitcase. I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've done that and had a lot of moving of late, so I'm actually quite comfortable here. Uh, moving back to Australia, there's a lot of stress, as you mentioned, with the, the birth of my daughter and. We're back and forth from South Africa and the US and stuff. And, and I was doing a lot of travel around Europe where I grew the LinkedIn business. And so I was constantly traveling. So, you know, to come home to Australia and not jump on a plane the last couple of years, besides doing, traveling around Queensland, I've really enjoyed. <laughs> That's been for me one of the biggest benefits of COVID really this year. Mm. It's just it's allowed you to just, you know, breathe into being where you are and being at peace with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know what? I think that one of the incidental benefits of, of COVID is that if you think about the bushfire that happened in, you know, this time a year ago, it was, um, uh, you know, it, it was it, it then created a situation where a lot of us, the rural parts and, and tourist parts of Australia needed the economic support. So I'm glad that they're getting that as, as, uh, as a side some weird benefit <laughs> of this whole situation we're in. <laughs> so the theme of the season um, is more than money. So what does that mean to you and how does that translate to how you work with your clients? 
Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, when you deal with business and the industry we've been in, which has been in events and training over the years, there's um, some unscrupulous ways that people can operate. And sometimes inside every industry, I think you get people that get tarred with a certain brush. Um, and and in, in our industry, it's you know there has been in the past a lot of people that have run events and just not, not done it with the right intent or, or interest behind it. And I think that what I've always felt really passionate about is just our pure dedication to helping people to, uh, in the early stages when we ran events, it was just helping people to get access to some phenomenal information that would support them in their lives. And then as we sort of moved on, I've been doing this for, you know, uh, uh, close to 17 years now, Janine, unfortunately. <laughs> not, not unfortunately, fortunately, but <laughs> the years are cranking up. Um, is that, uh, you know, we, we then sort of move more and more into supporting business owners. And, and really, as, as you know, it's about helping them to make their dent, their impact in the world. And so what we've seen is that, you know, if you build a business which allows you just to create more time and money, it doesn't build happiness into the equation. And so really the trifecta, um, I believe, is, is where you have a business that fulfills you because it allows you to create more time in your life to do whatever is meaningful and important to you and invest that with whoever is as well. Uh, creates a level of revenue and money in your life so you have choices and options. And, and then thirdly is it, it's got to have a sense of meaning and impact. You know, and you've got to be as a deeper sense of connection around why one does what they do. So, you know, so for me, that's what, you know, more than money is. It's, it isn't just about creating the money. It's about like why are you doing it? What's the sort of the impact you want to be making with it as a result of that, which everybody's different. Everybody's, you know, they've got certain causes or they'll have just, it might just be that they just want to build a really nice business and lifestyle and create great opportunities that perhaps they didn't have for their family. You know, but it's got to have a sense of purpose and meaning behind it, whatever whatever level and scale that is. Yeah, that's what I loved about working through the one of the dent accelerators. You know, the connection with B one G one and the UN Global Goals. Mm. Um, you know, it just was meaningful. It brought a lot of meaning, and I I was always giving back a lot. You know, through um, you know time mm. or money, whatever was available, resources, very giving and helping other people. But it just helped me to really you know give back in a far more meaningful way or more you know crystallized my thoughts more about giving is something you can do every day and mm. <laughs> well it, it, it is and for those that may not be familiar with the un sustainable goals they're the goals that were set by the un to be achieved by the year 2030 such and there's 17 of them so one of them for example is ending extreme poverty ending extreme hunger as well as a whole host of other, um, you know, causes from gender equality, economic infrastructure, through to life above and below land and stuff. And so we've been asking our clients to to align their businesses to those. And we work very closely with B1G1, buy one, give one, which allows business owners very simply and easily to just say, well, every time this something happens in my business, it doesn't have to always be a transaction. It could just be the, every time you have a meeting. Um, so, for example, when I run my workshops, every time somebody gives a, a score into, like they just type in a score of how they rate when it comes to pitching or publishing or something like that, every time every single person does that, I provide one day of clean drinking water for that. So it's a little fun game that we play as we go throughout that. And there's and it's just so easy through organizations like Buy One, Give One, which I'd highly recommend if anyone doesn't know it to check it out, b1g1.com. And it just means that if we can ingrain 
giving impacts into our business in a myriad of ways, uh, then by nature of it, the more successful you become, the bigger the impact you make, which I just think is a beautiful reality of the world to live in. And, and actually links back to the name of our company, Janine, which is, as you know, it's called uh, the global company name is called Dent Global which is off the Steve Jobs quote, is that uh, we believe uh, entrepreneurs are here to make their dent in the universe. And so we just we look to support by making our dent and we encourage our clients to make their dent in the universe, whatever that is uh, for them. New listeners, jump back and have a listen to the podcast episode with Paul Dunn. It was incredible to speak to such an inspirational leader. <laughs> and yeah. I think, you know, that's what uh, I was trying to say earlier was that, you know, Dent doing that and getting involved in that shows a great deal of leadership and I see that as being inspirational and oh. taking that into my own business. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dent. And maybe just a little side note, um, you know, we've, I'm actually just about to launch the, the Queensland Business Influencers for Good podcast and so every episode has a giving impact associated to it. So, for example, in one episode, we secured 60 metres of square, uh, square metres of rainforest. Another one, we did 1,000 days of digital skills training. And our official partner for that is Buy One, uh, B1G1 and Paul Dunn and uh, the, the biggest giving impact partner, Pedro Gundaman from the Mental Health Academy. We have this really great session where we talk about that and how, um, how they're just making a huge impact through the mental health awareness that they're doing. But, yeah, it's, I, I love it. it it's, it's my jam. And as you said, it's, it's connected to the fact that when I was in 2017, I just felt so fortunate to have the highest levels of healthcare. We needed it. Otherwise, my life right now would be completely different. Um, and I just felt incredibly grateful because there's billions of people around the world who would not have had that opportunity. So um, I feel it's a, an obligation that I have to, to support. As I've said, I've known Mike for a little uh, while now and I've heard you speak many times about your commitment to making the most of life. Mm. How important is family to you and, and what is your why? You know, Janine, I, I just turned 40 yesterday actually. And, um, Happy birthday. Thank you. No, and the only reason I share that is because there's a lot of sort of feedback. And my wife just did this beautiful video of collage of all these friends from all over the world and saying their pieces. And one of the things that kept coming up and, and upon reflection of business groups I'm part of, one of the things that comes up consistently is my love of family and my passion, which I got from my grandfather. So, you know, he, even though we're in the U.S., he was in the US. He made a conscious effort to always bring us together. He wouldn't let the, you know, us being apart be any different. So he he created a bit of a family legacy for for us and our family, and just really drove home the importance of families. I know family is important for a lot of people and families, but I don't know. It's 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 my family is my rock. You know, it really is. That my family fundamentally is my rock. Always has been. Um, I assume and believe it always will be in the future. So that's always been incredibly important to me, which is why when I had that sort of situation with my daughter, it meant so much. And so, yeah, but I mean, my why, you know, listen, this has been something I think over the years I've always been like coming back to like, what is my why? And, and if I think about me and my background and myself, if, if I had to put it down to one word, it'd be impact. What's my why it's impact? I've always been drawn to just making the most of myself, like just knowledge and information, thirst for like who's doing the best, like what's the best techniques, what's the best strategies, like what's what's out there, how can I learn that and adopt it and so I can make an impact in my life. But then I love sharing that, you know, and so I've always had training businesses from the, you know, the training business that I was involved with, with, with the pre-dent company called Triumphant Events and then evolved to dent and I went on to build 
you know, Europe's largest and the world's largest LinkedIn training company for corporates. It's always about learning information and sharing it, you know, about making it dent. And then I think as, as I've grown older, as we go through this and, and some of the life experiences, it's about combining that for, with a real deep sense of purpose around it. So for the podcast, actually, I've got my the tagline is purpose and profit with impact. So it's beautiful (laughs) in that that space. You know, I don't think I, it's not like I go, Oh, this is my life statement for it, but it's always in that space. It's about impact. It's about development. It's about just bringing the best of myself and and sharing that and helping others to be to bring the best of themselves as well. It's what I get a kick out of life. Yeah, I, I, um, I've always viewed learning as being fundamental to who I am. You know, I learn stuff every day. I still learn stuff every day. And, I, mm. you know, I think it's the greatest gift you can give to share that with other people. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, and if you, it, what is it? It's learn, do, teach is the best you know, way to integrate around everything is the, what's how you integrate knowledge and information. And that's why we always attract people into our world, like, you know, yourself who are learners because there's a lot of business owners that aren't suitable for working with us but we you know business owners who are are the ones that are saying listen show me that next level like you know i'm curious i want to know it i'm prepared to pull up my sleeves and get stuck in um and it comes down to that that sort of innate philosophy around just wanting to develop oneself and their business Mm. so is giving of yourself and giving back more important than money well you know what that's why if i look at that quote that i just shared with you before purpose and profit uh, I sort of toy around with different things like I sort of sit here and one side of me says one side of the coin says you know you've the more money you have the bigger the impact you can make right the other side of the coin of me says well look at someone like Mother Teresa right who didn't have much wealth personal wealth or money but she was able to make a huge impact so you know what I, I sort of I don't take a stance either side, really. I don't take a, a stance either side. I see both sides. I believe with the right intention, you can do both great things either side. You cannot have much wealth, like money, and still make a really big impact. It's obviously, it, it's, it's possible and achievable. I, I per, my personal philosophy and belief around it is m- much more difficult to do that versus, you know, I remember this exercise we did once with clients where, and I'll, I'll do this. I haven't done it for a while, actually, Janine. I say, how much money do people want? Like, how much? Imagine you could wave a wand. How much money do, you, do would you like? And people say, oh, whatever figure it is for them. And then we say, so you know, who's who's got like a hundred grand, two hundred grand, a million, five million, ten million, you know? And versus people who go, who's got like a billion? Who's got fifty billion or something of that nature? So who's greedier here? And it's like, well, that's an interesting question because uh, a lot of times people say, oh, people with money are greedier. But the reality of it is, is that actually, if we just want less money to just sustain and contain ourselves versus having more money, like I've had this conversation with different people over, over the years a lot because I go, oh, look at that person. They got, just did a contract for 40 million sports stars. What do they need that money for? What would they do with it? It's like, well, my world, they could make a huge impact. I mean, exactly. like, they, could, they could make it, but you know, but there's a, this philosophy of like, oh, sports stars just going to get it and spend it on their own money and and you know and their own stuff. It's like that's a mentality, and so it's almost like, oh, let's earn less because I, I'm more comfortable and my family's comfortable with that, which is fine if that's what you want. But it also means that you know if you, you're not able to make as big an impact. So when we do this exercise, 
we ask the question, who's greedier? And sometimes people go, people with a 50 million. It's like, really? Or are the people with like, you know, just uh, the limited scope of saying, I just want half a million or, you know, and it's like, are they greedier? You know, and it kicks off this interesting conversation, you know, yeah. with it all really. So, um, you know, so I don't know. I, I, my, my philosophy around it, uh, Janine, really is that, is that um, you can make an impact either way. But I believe that if, if you are able to generate some significant wealth, and not even significant wealth. You can make even micro contributions as you go along, but the more money you have, the bigger the impact you can make if you choose to. If you choose to. That's that's the key, isn't it? It depends what you do with it. hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, you could keep you could be the richest person in the castle and not give a stuff about anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know those people. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So should business folks be looking to integrate their work and their purpose? And how would you go about doing that? My re- initial response is, is that I believe everybody that is in business and has been doing what they're doing with the, for a period of time. And even if you're in your career, same thing, is that there's a mountain of value that everybody has. And there is a lo- there's a reason why everybody's doing what they're doing. There's no mistakes. Often people go, oh, I just fell into this or I just did that for that reason. I just, oh, I just accidentally here. It's like, really? I don't know. I, I believe most of the, uh, maybe there are some instances like that, but there is a calling for people in terms of, why they do what they do. And so I encourage people to, to look back through their life and go, well, how is what you're doing now connected to what you were passionate about when you were younger? Because this, this, this question around the why question, right, has toyed me for many, many years. I've been on a quest to figure out, like, what is my thing? Like, I didn't really know what it was. That was part of the reason why I went backpacking. You know, I studied really, really well to get great grades, but I wasn't ready to go to uni yet because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought I would go traveling to try and find myself. And I just sort of kept coming back and had these little success systems and things of this nature. And just, and that's through, it's through observation and paying attention over the years and constantly asking the question, which is what I'd advise anybody who isn't clear on it to keep doing. I've realized that, you know, there's these two intersects, these two things. And what if there's two things inside everybody's life that would be consistent throughout your life from your childhood years to what you do now? They're like, you're almost like you couldn't live without them. So for me, what they are is like this development, human potential development, developing oneself is one thing and business and entrepreneurship. I was just reflecting uh, this little video my wife shot for me and my cousin, uh, who was best man at my wedding, I forgot all about this because I used to harass all the neighbors with little, little, um, you know, business ideas and selling them different things. And one of the things he mentioned in this video, I said, you know, the sign of optimism is when you, you set at the age of six, you set up a, a lemonade stand at the very end of a, of a very long street uh, of a cul-de-sac. <laughs> and you get really excited when you sell two, two cups of lemonade all day, which is what we did. So, you know, I can, st- I can draw upon stories about that, about my other intersect, which is business entrepreneurship and my parents were always quite entrepreneurial so personal development human potential and entrepreneurship has been my two intersects you know throughout my life and so I would encourage anybody to who's sort of questioning this is to, to dig deep and go what are two things that you couldn't live without in your life and a good question to ask is, is to say well if, if one of these things wasn't involved you'd almost just get bored with things. If you were instead doing a project, if one of these things, like for example, if it was just human potential, but without business, I'd get, after a period of time, I'd be like, yeah, it's nice, but I just don't want to learn. I want to put into practice. 
you know, if it was just, you know, it was just entrepreneurship, but without that learning and that, that development angle, I'd be like, I'd lose the juice of it as well. I think, Mike, sometimes people, I mean, you said, mentioned falling into things. I think sometimes people fall in a rabbit hole and they just keep digging and digging and digging. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you just need to take pause and figure it out and, and find, you know, find that thing, as you said, find your passion and, and it'll help guide you if you let it. Yeah, and, and just pay attention to the things that have always been around your life. Uh, one of the speakers we used to promote was a guy by the name of John D. Martini. I don't know if you're aware of him or you know, yes. phenomenal work that he does. And he'd often just talk about your values, not meaning like what's your values, like integrity and honesty and stuff like that. He'd talk about like what's your values in terms of what are the things that are most important to you. And if you just look around, like what do you spend your money on? Uh, if you've got spare, a spare time to tinker on anything, what are you tinkering on? What are you thinking about? What are you jumping on? What are you Googling? You know, what sort of books do you have around you or audio books or magazines and stuff that you're buying? All this sort of stuff. What sort of photos do you have hanging up and memorabilia? All these things have clues because they're, and, and sometimes people who are down those rabbit holes think, oh, it's too confusing. Yes, stepping back is important and really important in that space if you are there. But just observe what's around you and start to reflect on those things of your past and what do you still hold true now to find those things. Um, mm. So I hope that helps for anybody who's in that situation. Thanks, Mark. So why don't you tell us about your special offer you've got for us today? Fundamentally, I'm here to, here to help and serve in any way we can. But I mean, uh, as you know, Janine, like our whole philosophy is designed around helping business owners to stand out in their industry. And we've, through, it, through this insatiable appetite of really understanding um, you know, business and, and learning through people who've had a lot of influence in their marketplace, we've developed a particular methodology, which is you know based on the key person of influence uh, accelerator and philosophy around it. Is that you know we, we help business owners to you know really tackle some fundamental challenges in their business. So if they're competing on price, or if the business is really and heavily reliant on them, so if they stop, the business stops. If they're sort of frustrated with the level of growth they're getting in their business, or not being able to stand out in their marketplace, we we help to tackle those type of problems and so we've developed a five-step methodology that's been codified over the last 10 years we've had three and a half thousand people go through this this sort of way of thinking and operating in their business as you're well aware and uh, when you apply these five levers of influence what it means is you really start to just get better cut through in the marketplace you stand out because you really know the real business you're in a lot of times business owners as weird as it sounds they don't know the real business they're in. Like they might think they're an accountant in the accounting business. I can promise you, you're not in the accounting business. You know, if you are, you, you, there's a functional way, there's a different way to show up. What if you were in a different business? If you're a financial broker, what if you weren't a broker? What if that was just a functional means to an end that you were actually in the game of helping people to secure finance to retire earlier or to scale their businesses? You're in the scaling business you know, so anyways, we, we, we just sort of love playing around businesses. So there's a five-step method that shows business owners how to stand out. And so I've got a you know, scorecard that assesses you in each of these five areas of pitching, publishing, product, profile, and partnerships. Uh, it's a free scorecard. If you just Google KP, a key person of influence scorecard, and you literally can access that. It takes a few minutes. It's about 40 questions, yes, no answers. gives you a rating of, of how you rate in each of those five areas. And it gives you a 35-page report of practical tips you can do to improve in each of those areas. So a very valuable tool to just assess where are you now and, you know, how can you accelerate your ability to stand out 
going forward. It's a great tool, Mike. I've used it many times. <laughs> right. It's a great benchmark though too, isn't it? It's great to sort of just say, okay, here's where I am now, okay, and, and it gives you some practical things to go away. You go away and, and improve two or three areas and come back, do it again. We get people that do it every six months just to assess where they are and keep coming back to understand what are the gaps they need to address. Very handy. Thanks for that offer. We'll drop the address in the show notes. So can you talk to the successes of some of the business ventures? And is it possible to talk about successes without first talking about failures? Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) What did you learn from those experiences? So you talk about my personal uh, ventures? Yeah, sure. Oh, I'll tell you what. um, I I love the quote that I I heard. Actually, I was reading the book by Jack Welch who was the CEO of the last century. He was a CEO of General Electric, and he was the catalyst for turning them around between about the, is the 80s into 90s period. And long and short of it, I love the book. I think it's either Straight From The Gut or it's Winning. It's one of, the other, uh, one of those two books. And he says in there, even though he was the most successful CEO of the, of the 20th century, he said, uh, the reason I've got so much success is because I fail more than anyone else. And I think it's it's a really interesting philosophy. And I learned that very early on in my business career that failure is only failure if it, if it stops you, you know. I think it's, you know, you can fail forward. And so as long as it's failures that, you know, you, you, you mitigate risk around things so you don't have failures that really can be catastrophic to your business, of which I've had some of those, which, you know, I mean, I've, I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars from decisions that I've made from running businesses I've hired wrong people. You know, I've invested time, energy, resource into a lot of things that don't work. <laughs> you know, I've you given... You know you're in business then. Yeah, I've given large portions of companies that I've been in away to other people and then they bugger off to other parts of the world and don't want to give up their shares and are saying, you want to buy it off me, just give me half a million bucks. You learn from lessons like that, you know, and you just become more astute as you go along. So some some decisions I've made in my earlier in my career were catastrophic. Like in that example, I literally did about nine months of building this business. Had we done it, had we continued with it today, it would have been like we would have owned Google for sales training. Like it was, we're producing a video, a webinar, and a training video every single week. We did that for about nine months, and then I literally had to kill that business because this guy that I, you know, I was in business with had unrealistic expectations around stuff. But you, you learn, and so can you have success without failure? Uh, maybe it's a unicorn of a thing. <laughs> I think the key point you made there, Mark, is it's you know, if, it's only if you internalize the failure and let it stop you. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. You know, but then they lead to things, you, they lead to, to mental toughness and gritness. And that's why sometimes I meet people in early stage of business, they're like, oh, I've spent like five grand on this website and they're beating themselves up. And it's like six months or 12 months ago. It's like, come on, just move on. All right, great. So welcome to the club. All right, so it's your first mistake. You've wasted, a, you know, wasted some money there. But guess what? You're likely to waste, you know, 10 times, if not 100 times that more in the coming, you know, years if you keep at it. It's a part of doing business. You know, you talk to anyone who's successful in business, they've been through a lot, mm. you know. I mean, just look at Joe Biden, right? So he's just gotten into, you know, the president of the US, right? His background's decorated with failures from all sorts of levels, but the guy's just been relentless, has not stopped. And look, 77 gets to become president of the US, right? Falling, failing forward. <laughs> Consistently, yeah. By no means do, do I try and say that, oh, my career, my, my career's been all, you know, fro- flowers and petals and roses and been smelling success. It's been a lot of failures, a lot of lessons, a lot of blood noses, and thankfully some, some really good wins. 
I think people get this misconception that everything's perfect, that, you know, businesses just rise like a nice, beautiful linear line. Nothing I know of happens that way. It's twists and turns and turning back and turning forward. You know, it's it, life isn't linear. No, I mean, it, just a case in point, I don't know if anyone's read the book, the Elon Musk story. It's, I think it's called Elon, the book, actually. And, and look at Tesla now. Tesla is... If you put uh, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and Porsche combined, Tesla is seven times more valuable than all of them combined, right? Phenomenal. However, in the book, Elon, he talked about this one point in Tesla's history where they had all these like pre-orders down and they were literally, they were days away from bankruptcy and having to close the business down. And Elon, like, is, is, it's got the whole, once he got to the depth of the, the, his team, which was sort of not sharing the real story with him the whole way until eventually he got to the last minute. And, he, and when he realized the severity of the situation, he got every single people, there's 10,000 plus employees or something at the time, he got every single one of them to stop doing what they were doing and jump on the phones. He said, everybody's a sales rep now. And as a result of that, he got people on the phones and, you know, they brought in deals and they brought the money in and everything like that and saved the business, you know. But I mean, Every company is on the verge of like failure and do impending doom at some point. Yeah. But it's the, the you know, you be resourceful, you pivot, you figure out how to innovate and you come through it. My favorite saying is don't have a Kodak moment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the th top three challenges that influencers face, Mike? First one is uh, sort of that, is sort of what we're talking about, you know. The quote that came to mind when you just mentioned before, I forget exactly what you mentioned, but the, the quote popped up is that um, comparison is the thief of happiness. And it's, you know, getting back to that, oh, comparing yourself to others, oh, their rise to success is always like this and, you know, and, and it's just taking off. And it's easy to compare to others, particularly when times are tough. So I think that it's, it's having the right mental strength to stay in the fortitude um, would be one thing. And just, just recognition of, of that, that, you know, there is no rise to success without a lot of, you know, effort. Um, uh, one thing I'd say, second thing would be the imposter monster. As you grow a business, when you start having a business that's reliant on the people around you and reliant on referrals, there's a level of comfort in that. And a lot of times people will love you and sort of say, you know, we love what you do and they're sort of recommending and referring and stuff like that. But then businesses often reach a natural point where that's no longer viable or scalable or they've got so much reliance of cost base in their business. They've got so many team members or, you know, they've just, they need to have a certain level of revenue to make sure bills are paid. There reaches a point often where businesses go, they, they, they sort of run out of steam with that strategy. So they often will then, which is why we work with them to sort of show them how they can show up in a different way and increase their ability to, to engage the right people that they want to engage and do it in a more scalable. And when I mean scalable, it's a one-to-many format. And so what, the moment you do that though, you start raising your head above the parapet and go, oh, hey, here I am. And then, you know, you, you expose yourself to other people who may be in your niche or maybe outside your niche and they're going to have an opinion about how you show up and they're going to have an opinion about their thoughts and, and everything. And, you know, and when people first do that and they, and they get some feedback from people, maybe it's not, it's not positive or maybe they're constructive or something of that nature. It's like, ah! And then, or even just showing up at that point, they go, what gives me the right? to do mm -hmm. so and it's that internal i'm not worthy i'm not enough dialogue that every single human being has to some degree and so the third thing and the third thing the right intent mm. you know the right intent 
what I mean by that is like doing it for the right reasons because part of what helps you deal with the imposter monster is just knowing why you do what you do. Like every week we get emails in and if I just look at like we had a session yesterday with the clients and oh my word, inside three months, these guys, there's 60 of them that are working with us at the moment, the progress they have made in three months is jaw dropping. Like, you know, people who are doubling their rates, they're literally getting more traction than ever before. Uh, people who are hiring staff members in the current times we're in, people who are now just changing their pitch, getting people who were saying no to them for six months, saying yes to them. So at the core of what we do and what I do, because I get an imposter monster syndrome too, and people sort of sharing their sort of crappy opinions on whenever I do a Facebook post or something like that, people share, oh, this guy's just trying to rip you off. He's trying to take your money, that sort of stuff. There's plenty of trolls oh, out oh, there. You know, here's how you know a good troll. You know a good troll because... A, they use profanity language. B, they don't have a profile picture. And C, when you go to their profile, they are just angry units. <laughs> Agree. <Yeah. laughs> so that's a good troll, you know. So, so welcome to the club when you start getting trolls following you. But long and short of it is that that used to affect me in the early days. Now, I just, you know, when I look at what we do with our clients and the feedback we get, it just fills me with so much yeah, fulfillment. I mean, like, it's just like, wow, it's like, I mean, get a little like emotional just thinking about like the impact that we make for people. And I know that at my core and I know my heart and my intent and why I do it. And I know that it's, it's, it's all for the right reasons. So, you know, that intent of why you do it, I think is really important because that'll help you get through whatever dramas, whatever sort of challenges, because there's always good days and there's bad days. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I don't necessarily like the word authentic. It seems to have been a little bit overused. Mm -hmm. But if you do know your heart and your mind and, you know, you your intentions are good, then, you know, be fulfilled by it. Stick your head up. Uh, whenever I talk about this with people, it always makes me think of that sideshow game. I'm not sure what it's called. But remember, you used to have those hammers where you'd, yeah. I don't know, were they wombats or something used to pop their heads up yeah. and you'd just bang them with a hammer? It always makes me think about that. <laughs> so from your experience working with thousands of six and seven businesses, what are the values that successful, influential people and their families hold? Uh, you know what? Well, people, I'll talk to the people that, that I often admire and, and, and look to and, and so on, is that a lot of times called the values, there's a lot of philosophies of like, wanting to learn, wanting to grow, wanting to, to have that insatiable appetite. So it's that thirst for knowledge and, and growth. It's a thirst for growth, I think. It's, it's also some really core things around um, like family first, as we've discussed already, like that's important for me and people I look at that, uh, you know, that, I, that we, I spend time with and that we attract into our world and that do well. It's, it's that family first approach. And then just having some, some you know, just for not wanting to overuse word, but I mean, just integrity around why they're doing what they're doing. But I, I think that if people can get connected to their, the purpose around why they do what they do, it helps them through, through those times. But I think those sort of things around just core values of who they are. But I, I think most importantly, it's going to be slightly different for everyone. I think it's just knowing yourself. You mentioned earlier legacy, Mike, when you were talking about your grandfather and so on. And I had an interview just recently with Tiffany Jones from Momentum Advisory Group, and she works a lot with families, um, wealthy families mainly. But we spoke a lot about legacy. And I think one of the things that strikes me is really 
figuring out what legacy means to you and then having those conversations around it because that in itself can be a real learning exercise for younger members of the family and the community, helping them to understand the value of growth and understanding your purpose and, you know, Mm. giving back and all of those things, helping them figure out their why and then helping them understand how they can make that legacy their own to carry forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's sort of wrapping up a number of these things we've spoken about earlier. We all leave a legacy. It's either conscious or unconscious, you know. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. And, And so... It's uh, that's why my, my wife and I have a have a life meeting every fortnight for a couple of hours in the evening, and we once the kids are down and we just sit down and we sort of talk about our ten year vision and what's important to us and you know what how where do we want to be living and how do we want to be showing up in different areas of our lives and you know just consciously working towards things that are meaningful to us. Big part of why I do what I do as well is also about just creating that environment for my children to to learn and grow up in as well. So mm-hmm. if I I look forward to when my girls are old enough to come along to some of our, our workshops and our sessions and, you know, and, and be glued into this entrepreneurial community. I'm looking forward to see what they do with that. <laughs> and I hope at some point you'll include them in your life meetings with your wife. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, at three and four, they're a bit too uh, distracting at the moment. So, <laughs> I'm sure. And, you know, I recommend that to clients all of the time, that we get engaged in such a busy life, particularly business people, that I notice that people don't come together often enough to talk about their life goals and, and you know, check in that they're on track and check in about their money goals and you know, those sorts of things. And so I I really recommend that people do come together, you know, at least quarterly or monthly or fortnightly, whatever works for you, just to check in. Yeah, completely. Yeah, because things change. Life's not linear. No, exactly, right? (laughs) So you just need to constantly check in with each other and sort of say, is that really what's important to us now or is is that just something that was and the the goals have shifted a little bit? So certain things remain the same, others expand, others change and adapt. But yeah, I I do think about that more and more. And, you know, with this moment of turning 40 recently is a big reflective moment uh, as well. So as I get more mature, those sort of thoughts, uh, you know, start thinking about things a lot more on that level why I love doing what I do and the impact we make. Mm. So many business clients tell me they bought a job and, you know, a business and it isn't what they thought it would be necessarily and we've already touched on this. So they fell into the business or didn't reach, you know, have any real goals I guess is one of the things that I hear quite a lot and they don't know whether they're on track, off track and you mentioned about the scorecard and how that can help people. People come sometimes lose sight of their dreams I think. So tell us how business accelerators help people shift from that daily grind to, to that real growth, wealth mm. accumulation and freedom. Well, uh, anyone who's in that space I'd encourage them to write down these words, is that your environment dictates performance. I'd say your environment dictates your perspective. So often, if if anyone is in that space, I'd be encouraging them to think about what's the environment they're consistently putting themselves into. And so we learned this early on in our career when we used to just run events and not accelerators. An accelerator, by the way, if anyone's going, what is an accelerator? It's It's a fancy name for a training program. (laughs) <laughs> it's over an extended period of time with high levels of accountability, surrounding self with peer group, access to tools and resources and strategy and best practice. 
as well as United by a common goal. And so we learned that when people would get information, they come onto this sort of stuff, then they go away and they change. And we, we were in this incubator environment. We're living, eating, breathing it. So we had high levels of accountability and stuff. And because that was our business is what we did. And I had team, we had our friends that were all sort of as part of it. So we noticed people would come into this environment and then step away. And then we'd notice that they wouldn't get the level of results or progress that they're after. So we've made a very, very conscious choice over the years to really bed down to create an environment so that when people do step into it, that it's like, okay, all right, there's, this is, we're upping our standards. It's intense. <laughs> yeah, well, you've been through it, right? So, so. But it's important to invest in yourself in that way, isn't it? You know. I mean, environment. I mean, I I, I did uh, very early on in my career as one of the first early stage things I got involved in was was Amway Network Marketing, you know, and just putting myself in that environment just taught me a lot about you know personal development and growth. And if I'm going to make a success of anything in in life, I've got to do it myself, and I've got to get out there and work it. And you know, so it taught me a lot. And you know, it wasn't the right environment for me in the longer term, but you know that that shifted my mindset and perspective. And I think the good old Tony Robbins quote is that we settle for our standards. And if we don't have the right environment, our standards can drop, you know, and it's mm. easy to get less, let ourselves off the hook. And oh, that's important today, but next week, oh, I forgot, got distracted and all of a sudden it falls by the wayside. So the environment is so important to just ensure that if you say something's important and you get focused and clear and you say, that's going to be the game changer. If I achieve that one thing, it achieves five other things in the process and that's going to make a meaningful impact in my business and it's going to alleviate a bunch of problems that, are, that currently exist. Well, then hold tight to that. And so we don't let people off the hook with that. So there's high levels of accountability to do that. So, but as part of it too, in terms of like sort of maybe feeling a bit lost or a bit like, oh, I just sort of bought myself a job or maybe a bit disconnected, feeling a bit disconnected from the business. big part of what we do, as you know as well, is we help people to just really go back and do some of these exercises that I mentioned to you. Some of these exercises that I've suggested are actually part of the accelerator that we do, which is getting people to really question, like, why are they doing what they do? Um, you know, and it's very common for our clients to say things like, wow, I've fallen back in love with my business. I love it when they say that. I love it because they sort of, they get, they almost got lost for a while, got distracted and, you know, and, and disconnected from it. And they come back in and we get them to reconnect. Like, why are you doing this? And, they, and once they reconnect, it goes, wow, that's right. And I do this. That's why I loved it in the first place. That's why I originally wanted to do this. Yeah, great. Now I am doing it. Holy crap. And then it's like, yeah, hang on. And now I can do it even better. It's like, wow. And then there's this re-energizing moment that happens. And they get connected to it on a different level. And, and that energy shifts everything. You know, so it's partly environment, partly reflecting. But, you know, it's, 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 we've done this a lot of times with, you know, over the last 10 years, we've had about over 100 groups, well over about 100 groups globally go through this. And as a result of that, you, we know the questions to ask to unlock people's challenges at certain stages. And when you just ask the right series of questions in the right order, it typically leads to some pretty good breakthroughs. So what are the top five tips you have for our listeners to raise their influence? Number one, be crystal clear on the micro niche you serve. Too much complexity is created when business owners are trying to serve too many markets. Okay. Uh, secondly, I'd say focus on vital activities instead of just functional. So functional things like everything to do with the running of a business, it's like 
in the business is functional, on the business is vital. And so by being stuck in the day-to-day, that's the functional stuff. But the way to get out of being focused and being reliant on the day-to-day is to focus on the vital activities. So focus on vital activities that will alleviate problems, stepping back and going, hang on, how do I tackle some of these issues, these problems? What's the bigger purpose? What's the mission? What's the vision? What's the real business we're in? You know, all that sort of stuff is vital space, space time and thinking as well. Uh, thirdly, I would say is get clear on the real business you're in. And the best way to do that is by focusing on a micro niche and really honing in, being seen as that specialist as opposed to a generalist. You know, position yourself as that specialist. And then when you are that specialist, that's the real business you're in. For example, you know, a client of ours used to sell uh, sells boats. or well, used to sell boats. He exited the business. But uh, he, he, when he came to us, he was selling boats uh, and he thought that was his business. It wasn't his business. He was actually in the business of reconnecting families and bringing people together through boats. And the moment he got that, it changed everything, changed his products, changed the profitability of his business, changed the communication language and everything. So that'd be the key thing is get clear on the, the real business that you're in. Thirdly, uh, fourthly, sorry, I'd say focus on creating unique assets. So unique assets are things that differentiate you from the marketplace. As an example, a great uh, example of this is Stephen Covey, uh, the late and great Stephen Covey. So he focused, uh, he was a business coach, leadership coach effectively, but he didn't talk about that. He realized the real game he was in was in creating effective leaders. So he developed unique assets, which he called the seven habits of highly effective people. Those unique assets, leadership coaches, business coaches, dime a dozen, anyone there they'll be seen as a commodity if you focus on that the moment you say well hang on i've been working with a lot of leaders there's seven habits they master to become world class if you want to know what they are there's seven of them oh if you own that unique ip and create that unique ip the only place that they can get those seven habits is through stephen covey so that's when you start shifting the game of competing on value instead of price so that's your signature method. The signature method, correct? Uh, and if you're in the lingo in the in the community, uh, and then fifth, focus on developing assets that shift the game from a one to one to one to many. So scale, scale, one to many. So if you have a big idea like Seven Habits High Effective People, package it up into like a book. What your version of that, right? Because you can go if you try and talk to a thousand people about it, if you're going to have a lot of coffees <laughs> or you come up with things like a podcast like we're doing now or you come up with published content and that published content means that one idea can you know if you sell a thousand books or give a thousand books away you're educating a thousand people without giving up any more of your time so shift the game from being you know one to one to a one to many and I think if you develop those assets and you have got your your micro niche right, then you're attracting the right people to your business. So you're working you're you're working um, more effectively with the people you want to work with, and you're able to then get your pricing you know sharper. Yep. And you know, improve your revenue and so on. Completely. Just on that point, right, Janine, is, is that a lot of times business owners will deal with clients like, ah, oh, just attracting. There's some I love. There's a lot that really annoy me, frustrate me. You know, take up a lot of time. Want to suck all the energy out of them. And it's like it, it, that's the deflating thing for a lot of business owners. And so, really honing in on the micro niche of that is is so important because you really get clear, like, who are the people you love hanging out with? Who are the people who are those great clients? And you basically codify that 
and then you find an outcome that's really appealing to them and that acts like a magnet to attract more of those. And then so what it'll also do is it'll act as a magnet to repel people who don't believe in that. So in case of Darren's boat guy that I mentioned before, um, you know, that, that his philosophy around that attracted people who were family-oriented and orientated and, and he built out more of a client base of people that he really connected and resonated with as opposed to people who just wanted boats and were doing it for other reasons. Anyways, I hope that helps. That's uh, the five areas to focus on. It sure does. I mean, the, the one thing that stands out for me is that first epiphany about working in the business on the vital stuff. For me, that was like the, the game changer. From there on, it just felt like, even though it was intense, it felt like I had it. because I, You know, I got it at that point. What's one thing our listeners can do right now to help their businesses or themselves personally or financially in the long run, Mike? The starting point to influence is your micro niche. Like that's the starting point. Uh, go back and I encourage you to look at your, your niche through three lenses. Um, well, there's two sets of three lenses. First of all, it's the three Ps. So it's like, do you have a passion for serving these people? Like, like who are the people you have the greatest passion for serving? Who are the people that you are solving a big problem for? So it's a big problem. When they, and when you solve it, they'll be really grateful for it. They'd, they'd really appreciate that. And then thirdly, they're able to pay you enough for whatever levels you have. So you can look at that saying you know, with the different niche or niches you're dealing with and then look at it through the second set of threes, uh, which is the, the graphics. Look at it through the demographics, the geographics, and the psychographics. So geographically, where are they based? You know, region. Uh, is it just local or is it more international or national or statewide, et cetera? You know, demographics is age income, you know, likes, hobbies, interests, that sort of stuff. And the psychographic is a really interesting one. That's the mental, emotional stuff. You know, it's like people you might sort of have the others and say, okay, I get that, but I still got people that annoy me. It's like, well, who are the people, what mindset do the people have that you really enjoy? So it's like sometimes it's like, oh, they've got to be open-minded or they've got to have, you know, they've got to have a certain attitude. And as a result of that, it's like, or maybe they're family-oriented you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's a psychographic aspect. And you just sort of start to label that more. Simply by just being clear on that, you just by you saying it more, you attract more of those people if you did nothing else. But that's a starting point is if that's where influence kicks off is in that micro niche. And then because you switch the game from being serving lots of markets, the way you're seen as a generalist competing on price to a specialist for those individuals. Brilliant. Thanks, Mike. So tell us again where we can find you online and how to access your scorecard. Yeah, cool. Well, if you just, if you, uh, when you've got a name like Mike Clark, uh, you know, you compete with a cricket captain and stuff like that. So you often have to have, add in Mike Clark Dent to sort of just Google me. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got my website, mikeclark.com.au. So Clark without an E, so M-I-K-E-C-L-A-R-K.com.au. Um, you know, and then if you just on there, there's a whole bunch of resources to get access to the key person of influence scorecard. Or if you Google that, you'll come across it. I'm happy to send a copy, a free copy of our key person of influence book for anybody who wants to reach out and engage. And there's also the keep an eye out for the Queensland business influences for good podcast. That's on my website as well. But if you put, just Google that, it'll take you to the site. Um, that's going live very soon and, uh, influence shining the light on some of the Queensland's business leaders who are using their businesses to be trailblazers to achieve phenomenal things but also to use their business as a vehicle for good so we're sharing their stories so others can learn from them thanks for joining us today and thank you mike it's great to chat with an inspirational leader thanks again for sharing your insights and don't forget to check out mike's website his linkedin etc and we'll drop those details in the show notes for you 
That brings us to a close. Until next time, bye for now. And thank you again, Mike. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show today and have some action steps you can take right now to get control of your money. Join me, Janine Wilson, next time for Finesse Your Money. Meantime, head to my website, www.finesseadvisors.com or email me at admin at finesseadvisors.com to claim a gift voucher for a discovery session with me valued at $150. Make sure you put gift voucher in the headline.